episode 055. Business Broken to Smoking podcast. Mark Whitmore, head coach. Lowestone True North. Love this song by Tedeschi Trucks Band. The Storm. The name of the album is The Storm. And I picked this song just because it's a great song. It's just a, I am really into Tedeschi Truck Trucks right now. And uh, this, this album, I think, is... 2012, 2013, they've got a bunch of great albums, so bluesy and funky and rich, and they play so good, it's amazing. So, uh, reading today from an essay by a thinker uh, of the name, by the name of uh, Paul Graham, and the essay is called How to Do Great Work, and I heard this essay quoted or referenced in a podcast uh, Lex Friedman podcast, and it was, I think it was episode 399, he was interviewing Jared Kushner, uh, President Trump's uh, son-in-law, and it was a fascinating interview, uh, I don't often listen to a four-hour podcast, uh, it has to be riveting, and this one was, and they, they quoted this, uh, quoted from this essay, among other things, they talked uh, quite in depth about the situation happening in the Middle East right now with Israel, Hamas, Gaza, etc. And Jared Kushner was uh, very, very involved during the Trump administration in brokering the uh, Abraham Accords, or Abraham Accord, I don't know if it's one or more accords, but uh, really, really interesting podcast, highly suggest the listen. Uh, but in the middle of that, they referenced this essay. And uh, and they both, they, I think the one had shared it with the other earlier. And uh, Jared Kushner is a significant reader, and so is his wife, Ivanka. And I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know anything about Jared Kushner. And I came away from that podcast with a ton of respect for his outlook on life, uh, the work that he did in the government, uh, his, his just, I don't know, approach, at least his approach to diplomacy and his approach to uh, thinking and reading and working and be, being productive. And I think that's what they were talking about with just kind of the how to be productive. So I want to read from this. I'm just going to read a little excerpt, but it's a pretty sizable essay, uh, like 20 pages. And at some point, I'll read some more from it, but I'm, I'm going to read about a page worth. Um, in, in this essay, Paul Graham talks about uh, how to do great work or how really how to pick what to be doing, how to kind of pick your, I guess you pick your life kind of call, not calling, but like life labor and how to get into something really, really good uh, or great is really what he says. And um, he goes and, and debunks a lot of things. He, he pokes a lot. Uh, there are tons and tons of one-liners in this. Uh, and I debated about reading the whole thing, but it's, it's so long that I think you'd get lost. So I'm going to read just some excerpts. And today, uh, here on episode 55... I'm just going to read, like I said, about maybe it's about 10 chapter, uh, ten uh, paragraphs. And in this excerpt, he's talking about uh, 
the value of experience. Uh, so I'm going to start right here. This is end of page 16. One of the most valuable kinds of knowledge you get from experience is to know what you don't have to worry about. The young know all the things that could matter, but not their relative importance. So they worry equally about everything when they should worry much more about a few things and hardly at all about the rest. But what you don't know is only half the problem with inexperience. The other half is what you do know that ain't so. You arrive at adulthood with your head full of nonsense, bad habits you've acquired and false things you've been taught, and you won't be able to do great work till you clear away at least the nonsense in the way of whatever type of work you want to do. Much of the nonsense left in your head is left there by schools. We're so used to schools that we unconsciously treat going to school as identical with learning. But in fact, schools have all sorts of strange qualities that warp our ideas about learning and thinking. For example, schools induce passivity. Since you were a small child, there was an authority at the front of the class telling you what you had to learn and then measuring whether you did. But neither classes nor tests are intrinsic to learning. They're just artifacts of the way schools are usually designed. The sooner you overcome this passivity, the better. If you're still in school, try thinking of your education as your project and your teachers as working for you rather than vice versa. That may seem a stretch, but it's not merely some weird thought experiment. It's the truth economically, and in the best case, it's the truth intellectually as well. The best teachers don't want to be your bosses. They'd prefer it if you pushed ahead using them as a source of advice rather than being pulled by them through the material. Schools also give you a misleading impression of what work is like. In school, they tell you what the problems are, and they're almost always soluble using no more than you've been taught so far. In real life, you have to figure out what the problems are, and you often don't know if they're soluble at all. But perhaps the worst thing schools do to you is train you to win by hacking the test. You can't do great work by doing that. You can't trick God. So stop looking for that kind of shortcut. The way to beat the system is to focus on problems and solutions that others have overlooked, not to skimp on the work itself. So again, it's just a little excerpt. And I want to focus on uh, this idea of experience and this idea kind of of learning things. And and I want to talk uh, for, for a few minutes about my observations of some business leaders, uh, some clients, some people that you know I've been around, work around uh, for years, and where it appears that they're kind of stuck in this way. Uh, so first of all, this first first paragraph. Um, about knowledge. So one of the most, I'm going to read it again here. One of the most valuable kinds of knowledge you get from experience is to know what you don't have to worry about. Uh, so, so that's kind of the 80, 20 principle, right? There's a, there's a lot of things that don't matter. And there's a few things that matter a lot. And we often are not good at telling the difference between the two. And I have seen folks, I've worked with folks for a long time who don't have a way to value or to uh, evaluate 
the, the weight of particular events. Um, and they often forget about those events and their learning process is really haphazard. Uh, so something will happen, some event, and, and from a business context, something like a, a, a bad hire, a bad strategy, you know, bad marketing or, or sales or production process of some sort, or finance process perhaps. And they end up repeating those mistakes often, or uh, often they end up repeating them over and over, over a long period of time. You know, this isn't like they're repeating them week in and week out. Uh, they'll repeat a problem or a mistake that they did uh, two years ago, and then they'll do it again from four years ago. And, uh, and so one of the things I think is really valuable here uh, that Paul Graham points out is to, to unlearn some things. Uh, to, to, and, and in order to do that, you kind of have to look at what you just learned, or you have to be able to recognize that you have learned some things. And in order to do that, uh, you need to be able to look at them and, and kind of write them down or observe what you've learned, uh, kind of take note of the things you've learned. So uh, I encourage my clients, uh, and I do this myself, uh, at various levels of effectiveness, to write things down, to write down what you're learning, to write down what you're seeing, uh, to capture, especially in a journal. Uh, that's an easy, uh, it's an easy button to just start journaling. You know, and not so much as like dear diary, um, but but also, but more uh, along the lines of hey, here's here's this thing that that happened today or with this department, or with this relationship, or, or in my headspace. Uh, and here's what I think I'm going to do about it, or here's what I did about it, or here's where I'm confused or stuck. And to just take note, you know, um, to capture your thoughts a little better. Uh, another great exercise around capturing what we learned is the after-action review. Uh, and I have uh, a way that I have really dialed that up. I've taken the basic action after action review, which is a military tool or a um, maybe a first responder unit uh, tool and and kind of dressed it up and made it work really uh, what I think works really good for a business or for a uh, you know a department, let's say. And that is by um, you know capturing first of all, what the event was that you were working on, um, and then saying, all right, what were our objectives with that event? So writing down those objectives, then shifting to, okay, what were our inputs? What, what, were we, uh, what did we invest into that objective? What did we put into it? Time, energy, money, uh, maybe uh, other kind of resources like relationships or credibility. There could be some inputs that are um, that are, are opportunity costs uh, where we, we stopped doing something so that we could do this other thing. So what, what were those? What do we stop doing? So there's some results we didn't get because we weren't doing those other things. Uh, that, those are just some examples of inputs. And then going over to outputs as in, uh, all right, what happened? What, what came out of this? Um, and then observations or takeaways. Okay, so we, 
we had some objectives, we uh, invested some things, uh, and some things happened. Uh, what? And w what dots are we connecting? And that's really the takeaways, writing down your takeaways, and then going one step further, distilling that whole exercise into a punch list or a hit list or a to-do list of some kind, a laundry list, to, to take your observations and, and uh, transfer them to some actionable format. Uh, so to me, those are one of the ways that you can figure out what you should stop worrying about and what you should worry more about. Um, another kind of observation or um, takeaway from this part of this essay or article is that, you know, there is this way that we learn. Um, and in school, in schools or in other kinds of organizational formats, church, for example, um, business meetings, for example, uh, we take this formatted, formatted approach of lecturing where we'll say, all right, I'm, you all sit down. I'm going to stand up in front at a podium or something and just going to ramble and lecture. And uh, you're going to learn, you know, that's going to, and, and in some ways that's, I suppose, maybe a podcast, it could be. And that's not a bad way to pick up some bits of information or to kind of get a bit of an epiphany, but it's really not a great way to get experience. And a lot of times we conflate listening uh, in a lecture to actually learning. And listening in a lecture is, is uh, just the beginning of learning, or it's maybe one small element. Uh, but we learn better by experiencing things, the actual thing, uh, by putting our hands on the thing, or by getting out of the classroom, quote-unquote, and going out into the workplace or going out into the kind of workshop and putting our hands on the thing. And it's kind of what he's talking about here, at least in this part, of how to do great work is to get out of the school system and go out into the experience system uh, to stop trying to learn only through lecture, but to make that a minor part of what you're, how you learn and instead make the major part of how you learn actually doing the thing or uh, also being around people who are actually doing the thing. So observing them doing the thing, uh, hands-on or in real time or in the laboratory or in the workshop or in the workplace. Uh, those are far better ways to gain experience and to gain knowledge. And, you know, it's funny that we... It, as, as, I'm, as I'm saying that, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, you can't gain experience by sitting and listening to someone. But we often slide into that mentality, and we do it anyway. So some of my big takeaways here from this segment of the article is you've got to get uh, more self-aware. You have to become more observant of yourself and be able to say, oh, look, here's what I've, here's what I know or what I don't know or what I've not learned or what I've learned too much of. Or, and, and you have to be able to take some degree of uh, self-inventory. 
uh, the things you're learning and experiencing and so forth. So that's really p- the journaling is part of that. There's, there's, I suppose there's other ways of doing it, but off the top of my head, that's a great one. Um, now I want to show you this little tool and I've talked about this tool before it's, uh, and, and just the other day I was working with one of my, one of my favorite clients, a, a sizable, uh, workshop. It's, it's an Amish owned company and all Amish, uh, employees, and there's no technology of, of uh, almost any. They do have a landline, a phone line, and a fax machine. Fax machine is probably their most technologically, you know, advanced item. And I've been working with these folks for a couple of years, the leadership team and, and some, of the, some of the key managers. And, you know, they're about, I suppose they're about 50 employees or so in this business. And, um, and I do some work with their families as well. It's really interesting. Uh, they've asked me to help them uh, develop a vision for their family farms. And, and I'm working with six uh, couples, uh, parents, uh, and, you know, families. They're young, young families in their mid-30s with a bunch of kids. Each of them have some kids. And, and they have, they want to develop a vision for their farms, uh, for their properties, for their families, for their assets, uh, and it of course connects to the business. And they're very like they're very intentional about uh, doing something great. What they don't know is what to do. Like they 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 because they have such a narrow experience, and they know it. Uh, they've asked me to help them kind of develop a vision, expand their experience level, expand their visions about their stuff and their money and their people. Uh, and it has been so rewarding. It's been great work. It's been it's been good for me. It's been good for them. It's been good for their community. Uh, and and one of the tools I showed them last night, I came just came back from working with them uh, this morning. Uh, one of the tools I showed them is this tool I've developed called Tomcat, T-O-M-K-A-T. And it ties into this article in that there are these six elements, six really uh, buckets of resource that you need to crush something, to really do do a great job at something. And the, the family, some of the, uh, one, one in particular, uh, one of the wives one of the ladies was uh, asking me how to decide what they should apply themselves towards. And it goes right along with this essay as far as how to figure out what great work you should be doing. And this tool, this Tomcat tool, I shared with them, and they got all excited. And it's, it's basically saying, hey, hey, let's see what you got uh, as far as resources. And there's a number of resources, and some of these are practical or tangible and some of them are intangible so tomcat is an acronym t-o-m-k-a-t tools is the first t you know you got to have the tools whatever it is if you're doing something invisible you know like 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 being creative like writing or uh something like that well you got to have some tools you have to have some kind of maybe writing tools perhaps uh but but you want to be able to assess all right what do i got tool-wise. How am I? Scale of 1 to 10. Where am I at with the tools for this endeavor? The next is opportunity. Uh, scale of 1 to 10. What are my opportunities? 
and um, and for example, this this couple was asking me, well, they they have these three or four things they're going to try to do. Which one should they do? And I'm like, I don't know which one you you should do, but I could tell you how to kind of assess your resources a little bit. And I ran them through this, and and they wanted to raise sheep. They wanted to have this kind of sheep. Um, uh, project you know to make some extra money and give their kids a project to work on and and to put some of their property to use i said okay so opportunity in tomcat um tools is easy you know what kind of any sheep raising tools and there's a number of them um opportunity is well do you have the land do you have time you know do you have it do you have the energy you know, is this the right season in your life uh, to do this? What do you need to give up to make that opportunity bigger? Is it, you know, just is it doable in that in that opportunity side? And and to put a score to it. Third is materials. So materials is you know just like could be raw materials if you're building something, or it could be uh, things like cash. It could be perhaps uh, manpower. So as, an, as a manager or a leader, uh, if you're trying to decide if you should uh, start this new department or undertake this new expansion or uh, this new product or service, uh, one of your materials, you, you may actually have raw materials, you know, like a supply chain type raw, raw materials, but uh, you could also think of your staff as man, manpower, as a material. Uh, do you have the people to dispatch because that leader you know your work is not actually building that function or department or product or service your work is in leading and managing people and so your material uh is the people themselves your staff your 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 you know the folks on payroll do you have folks on payroll who you can apply toward this project um, do you have the cash flow to pay those people do you have um, you know maybe it's the space in your facility to uh, take this on uh, okay so that's the m that's materials and tomcat that's the m and tomcat the k is knowledge and in this essay that we've been discussing uh, he touches on that uh, but the K is knowledge as in, you know, learn some stuff, right? So it's reading some books, it's watching videos, it's taking courses. And in that sense, the lecture format has some value. You're picking up facts, you're picking up data, you're picking up, uh, you know, just bits of information, uh, perhaps. Uh, this knowledge, straight up, is just, but that's not all we need. What we need here next is acquired experience. As in, have you done this before? Uh, what sort of things have you done around this? Uh, and that's really the focus of this particular part of the article, is what is your acquired experience? Uh, and he suggests in the article that you try a bunch of things, that you get a lot of experience doing a lot of different things, uh, and uh, so, so that you don't get kind of stuck on this, you know, treadmill if you will uh, the last uh, letter in my tomcat tool is talent and and in this article he's discussing ways to figure out what you're good at and you've, you've got to be able to 
come to some understanding of what your latent talent is, uh, what your kind of natural abilities are. Uh, there's things that you love doing, but you want to be able to try to figure out what you're really good at, uh, what you're naturally good at. And, and that's not easy to do. There's a number of, of assessments. There's, uh, you know, you can have people around you that you trust that can make observations about you. I would highly suggest the uh, Strengths Finder, Gallup Strengths Finder, Clifton Strengths Finder. That's one really good assessment to uh, measure what your talents are. Now, it's a it's a little it's a little um, it's not comprehensive. Okay, so there's there's uh, some great things you can learn from it, but you need to learn some other things. Uh, but talent's a big deal, and and if you're low on talent, scale score scale of one to ten. If you're just like a two, if you say hey, I'm gonna raise sheep, like my Amish folks were asking me about, about, like, well, are you any good at like using tools and chasing around animals and fixing fences and, you know, uh, loading animals into trailers and 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 you know dealing with them when they're sick and and so forth and feeding them when it's cold and raining and you got to deal with all these different things. Is that your natural talent? Or are you kind of like, you know, uh, more of an indoors kind of person that is that wants to read or sit at a desk or, you know, do some of that kind of work? And, and, you know, if you don't have the kind of natural talent, well, you're going to, you're going to hit the wall, you know? I mean, you could have all the tools and materials and, and money and opportunities and all that stuff. But if you don't have a natural ability, uh, you're going to hit the wall pretty hard. Uh, now, if you have some ability, uh, you can uh, augment that with these other things. But if you don't have very much natural ability, it's it's kind of hard to develop from scratch a non-ability into a real ability. Uh, so now folks have done it. Folks have kind of done it over the years, but it's a really difficult thing to do, so... Uh, so those are just a few uh, thoughts today about uh, getting experiences that uh, add to or acquiring experience that add to your kind of bucket of experiences so that you continue to do great work, so that you continue to uh, get healthier, uh, do a better job leading your folks, uh, making uh, good work for the folks around you. And uh, just wanted to share that article from Paul Graham, How to Do Great Work. I will probably be reading some more from this later. Uh, and uh, hopefully you will catch us on the other side. So we're going to go out with a little bit more of this storm. Tedeschi Trucks Band, thanks for joining me. Mark Whitmore. Head coach, Lodestone True North.